And that's not why we're here. We're not here for things to be pleasant. We're here for things to be truthful, you know, for mm. it to be for it to be the truth. And, you know, it's interesting because you talk a lot about transformation. And I, I completely agree with you that the tantric path is a path of transformation. And I don't know. I mean, my view of transformation is that transformation is a, a, re-engage, a process of re-engaging with truth. You know, when I become a more truthful version of myself, as a result of engaging with truth, then I transform, you know, and that... This podcast, videocast series is The Sexual Shaman, Conversations on Sexuality and Spirituality. I am your host, Kenneth Ray Stubbs. This series is inspired by a book I envisioned, contributed to, edited, and published 30 years ago, entitled Women of the Light, The New Sacred Prostitute. This current podcast, videocast, is a series of conversations with both women and men of the light, all about sexuality and spirituality. Here we openly support all sexual orientations, all genders, all gender identifications, all races, all ethnicities, but not all creeds, such as white supremacy. Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are on the planet. Uh, I am Kenneth Ray Stubbs. This podcast series is entitled The Sexual Shaman, Conversations in Sexuality and Spirituality. And uh, I'm here in the Sonoran Desert, Southwest uh, United States. And uh, today we're going to be uh, dancing with Mark, M-A-R-C, Paradis, uh, who lives uh, in Spain now. He grew up in Canada, I think it was, and uh, moved to London. Uh, became an interior designer. Well, he was an interior designer in London, uh, and then uh, he got into all sorts of uh, energy things uh, uh, around crystals, but uh, especially around sacred geometry. Uh, and then he's migrated over to an arenas of sexuality that the world would probably call Tantra, but he's mm. much uh, more than that. Mm. Uh, his uh, a website is orgasmicshaman.com. Good morning, Mark. Hey, Ray. It's so nice to be talking with you. It's so nice <laughs> to be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're such an up person. Um, so, mm. uh, we've had a lot of adventures together. Um, yeah. uh, when I met you, uh, uh, you were an interior designer in London, mm. and uh, uh, I learned you like to travel a lot and go to sacred spaces or places. And so we started this little energetic ceremony mm. where physically you would go to different places such mm. as uh, Mount uh, Kilimanjaro mm. uh, or Monte Alban, a place, uh, an old sacred site in, in Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Greek islands, mm. uh, a specific island there, it has a lot of energy. And we would do a ceremony. I'd be here 
sitting in Tucson and you'd be there. And, and after we started doing it, we gathered uh, people to join in uh, right. on the internet or be there physically. Uh, it was all about uh, the wording I was used was uh, earth oneness ceremony uh, as a way of giving thanks to the earth, but also to oh. facilitate the, the development of an um, it's real woo-woo to say this, but sort of like a, a whirling vortex sphere of energy oh. okay. uh, that uh, uh, would be there in the land area to, um, after a while, I learned it was mainly to facilitate uh, mm. more energy for the fungi, uh, fungi, fungi, fungus, how we wish to pronounce it. And um, so he went, <laughs> I don't know, maybe 10 places around the world or more. And uh, mm. uh, we uh, we played with that. And so we got to know each other that way. But mm. now he's uh, focused much more into uh, seminars around sexuality. And, uh, and um, so... Now I'll welcome you, Mark, and now you can <laughs> hmm. say hello. Anything you want to share about yourself initially here to give us a context of what you are rather than saying just orgasmic shaman. Yeah, thank you, Ray. Well, it's nice to be here and it's nice to get this introduction from you. Yeah, it is a very varied journey that's had various stops on the way and you know, yeah, I'd say that today I, I, I qualify myself as a somatic and shamanic practitioner. Uh, so my work is really around the somatic and shamanic realm, but it always ends up involving a level of sacred intimacy. And it could be uh, a level of sacred intimacy with ourselves, with others, with the entire universe. So it's in a way I've been doing this work since we first sat together since before we sat together since we since since we went out on the land in all these places you know at the end of the day it's it feels like it all kind of wraps up together in one way but that's that's kind of how i how i qualify all of it that's how i make sense of it yeah. yes yeah so we and before today we were discussing what to go into today because uh, mm. you're very knowledgeable and experienced in many different uh, things in life and uh, so the, I said well uh, would you think of yourself as a Tantra teacher hmm. uh, and uh, that was not a label that you were excited to uh, place on your <laughs> on your chest uh, so what came up was let's discuss what is Tantra yeah. Uh, yeah. and I'd like to give a little bit of a perspective here and then hear your perspective and mainly want to have a, a discussion here. Oh. Um, but uh, my academic background is in sociology and oh. sexology. But oh. in the sociological perspective, you know, I look at language and people's uh, language patterns. And uh, Tantra uh, is a term that comes to us from uh, India, oh. Tantra, as well as Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. Uh, uh, that's where the, the term originated, but as it comes into the West, to uh, contemporary culture, very different culture than, you know, five, 10,000 years ago, perhaps is when it was being developed or whenever it was being developed. Um, mm -hmm. And um, 
I see that uh, Tantra covers a wide range of topics, including sexuality. But in the West now, it's pretty much become uh, Western sexual Tantra, mm -hmm. having to do with sexuality. So anything that sort of dances with the sexual in some way and the spiritual in some way could be called Tantra, even though traditionally it may or may not be yet. And a lot of people use the word very differently. So I use the term in a very broad sense, right. uh, uh, in a very generic sense of uh, uh, inclusive of sexuality and spirituality. Right. So, mm. the, the, what, what, how would you think of Tantra? What it is to you? Mm. So first of all, I want to say that I'm just so honored to be having this conversation with you because you, of all people, I, there's no one I would want to have this conversation with more than you. Just because I, when I talk about you to people, I actually call you, and you might, you might, you might cringe when I say this, but I call you the grandfather of erotic massage. <laughs> well, I, I did write the first book that illustrated Gentle yeah. Massage. It was not the first massage book, yeah. but yes. And then the first video, as far as I know, instructional video, not yeah. uh, uh, sexually explicit, but, sexual, uh, but the first massage video that it yeah. included the male and female genitalia as a yeah. part of the whole body. Yeah. Yeah, it went around North American Europe for 15 years teaching that. Yeah, so it, it's it's incredible. I feel incredibly privileged to to have this conversation with you, and that you're interested in my opinion of it, and also to hear what you just said about how the expanded nature of it, and you know, my yeah, where I feel like our opinions meet is that it seems like there's been a a contraction in terms of what tantra means in the West, or somehow by the time it's reached the West, you know what I mean, and and. Yeah, it, it, it was it was interesting because actually I just got off the a call with a client in which he was talking about he told someone he just did, he was doing these tantra sessions online, and the person said how do you, that that's not possible you can't do that and and what it brings up is the fact that there's still this view that tantra is massage tantra is erotic massage it's cock massage yoni whatever it's it's cum control it's eye gazing it's intimacy and i think that all those elements are part of what tantra is and i think that they're elements of tantra and i think that limiting ourselves to that range and when we say tantra is is extremely limited and limiting you know i see tantra as a practice of connecting to oneness and in connecting to oneness, it allows me to connect to wholeness. And the way that I, that, I define, that I differentiate oneness from wholeness is that I see oneness as the kind of the great undifferentiated expanse. You know, you talk about this a lot in your work, you know, that kind of great undifferentiated expanse that everything comes from. And, and oneness is the place where I feel like I'm able to be one with that for me, from my perspective. And wholeness... I see as a place where who I can be in the world, a state that I can reach in the world as a result of being in oneness for long periods of time. So when I'm able to be in oneness for, for long periods of time through different kind of practices or exercises or rituals or ceremonies or whatever, I can then find myself existing in the world in a state of more wholeness. 
And for me, Tantra is a practice of being in oneness to be able to be more whole, but it's not just a practice for me. Tantra for me is a lifestyle. Tantra for me is who I am in the world as a whole being who has uh, integrated a certain power that we don't necessarily always have access to. And so that's how I see Tantra. And so, you know, I was very inspired by, you know, I started doing Tantra um, as a student in 2010, following a kind of a breakdown breakthrough scenario, which is a whole other story. And, and, and at first I really was thinking that it was just going to be about intimacy. I had this breakdown in my relationship and I thought I need relationship help. I need sexual help. So I went into this Tantra course thinking that was going to be, and I actually, what I got was something completely different. Every other part of my life opened up everything else, abundance, my relationships with my family, my sense of purpose, my creativity, everything else expanded. And so I started to explore what is this and started to see that actually, when you go back to, to the Indian Tantra that you're talking about, they also qualify it as a practice of achieving con a connection to wholeness and, and in which you, you can end up achieving a sense of whole, uh, wholeness as a result. And I think the reason why we've, we've, we've extracted the sexuality, I mean, sexuality is a part of the practice. Sexuality is one of the tools. I see the sexuality as being one of the tools of the tantric path. And the reason why it's one of the tools is because sexuality is one of the gateways to oneness. It is a tool to achieve oneness, but it's not the only tool and it's not the only thing. And so, yeah, so, so that's kind of, I mean, there's so much more to say, but I'm kind of, that's, that's kind of where I am for now. Yes, and yeah. I'd love to hear what you think about that. And I have a lot more to share, but yeah, that's kind of where I am. Well, one of the things that uh, you said, I would really like to put a thought on. Um, you, you were speaking to someone earlier and said that you can't do Tantra uh, over the internet at a distance. Yeah. Well, I would say that is correct, except, hmm. except, and this is, uh, so theoretically I have some ability to read energetic patterns. Hmm. And the, what happens in orgasm, sexual orgasm, uh, if when two or more people will say two people, that energetically at the moment of orgasm, the two energy fields mm -hmm. have a common vibrational pattern. Mm -hmm. That technically is the oneness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, our energy patterns interact with each other, but when there's sort of like a duplication uh, here and there. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things, uh, and also the second thing is, is that in orgasm, we generate more energy mm -hmm. from within, mm -hmm. generate more energy. Mm. What, when a person develops, becomes developed in a way that energetically that I would call a shaman, mm. uh, they're able to vibrate like someone else, duplicate their patterns. And eventually mm. if they developed enough at a distance, they don't have to be in physical proximity. Mm. And uh, my reading of your patterns is that you're able to do that literally somewhere mm. else you know, on, the part, on the planet. If you're talking to them, you can go into their, you perceive their patterns, 
uh, vibrate like that, and that is an energetic oneness space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but most people are just not there. Mm-hmm. Almost no sexuality tantric uh, practitioners have I found like that. And uh, almost no contemporary shamanic practitioners. I'm not talking about traditional shamans now, but contemporary Mm -hmm. people. They've developed uh, ways to dance in shamanically, but being able to literally vibrate like another person uh, Mm -hmm. at a distance. Mm -hmm. So that is something that you can do from my reading of your energy patterns. And that's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so that when you're with a session uh, with people on, a, on the internet, say, mm-hmm. you still can accomplish that energetically, even though there's not that physical proximity. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to have eye-to-eye gazing. Mm-hmm. So I just want to share that a perspective that I don't mm-hmm. think many people understand because most people can't do it. And mm-hmm. I learned that, uh, or developed the ability of being around um, shamans and um, well, developing shamanic abilities uh, mm-hmm. in their ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I like your idea of tantra. I agree. Uh, going to that oneness space. Yeah, and you know, I think that the energetic oneness that you're talking about is, for me, it's an, it's another one aspect of the the, the tantric path. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like there's like there's the orgasmic energy is you know actual actual traditionally sexual like let's have sex together and have a physiological orgasm then that's one avenue for oneness which that obviously can't be done online uh, well I mean unless you're both having orgasms you know at a distance but then that that oneness isn't you know and then there's there's also you know in my background in somatic movement i learned a lot about how we can access oneness through in through the body through uh, uh, practices that take us deeper into the body and so i found that that is also another way so the ways kind of that i see kind of the three main pillars of what i do and how i understand you know or how how i feel i can bring tantra to the world is is through those three avenues you know the somatic uh, movement, uh, therapy work, the uh, energy work, you know, which most a lot of I developed through through working with you. And then the, um, you know, the more physiological orgasm, orgasm work, you know, the more. And so those are kind of, for me, the three main avenues that I see as, because do we know, do we know exactly what was going on in India, you know, 1500 years ago? Do we know you know what exactly people were doing it's extremely hard to know but it's um but there's a but there's so much because this is and this is the thing that i kind of wanted to bring to this and i i'm curious to hear your opinion about this is that we refer to tantra as this practice that emerged in india whether it emerged 500 a.d or i don't know when when else but that's what i heard but actually you know people have been using have been have been using similar practices for much much longer than that i mean if you look at ancient greece ancient egypt the maya uh, mesopotamia i mean if if we look at just simply what we can find in artworks that are found across across you know scattered across the earth artworks that are over 3000 5000 10000 years old 
you know, pre-written history, then we know that there's actually a lot more going on that we have no, that has happened that we have no idea about. And actually, and this is kind of maybe a little bit out there, but, you know, they, they found that the, the oldest artworks that exist on, on this planet are, that, that still exist today, that we could still look at today and, 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 and kind of explore are 35,000 years old and they're from the caves of southwestern France. And these artworks actually depict a, a lot of representations in, in their artworks that are very, very similar to what were depicted in the symbology of the ancient Egyptians that related sexuality to spirituality, almost eerie in how precisely similar they are. And so you start to think, well, if these are the oldest drawings that exist on this planet that are 35,000 years old, what existed before that? There might have been things going on even before that, that those artworks are gone and, and have been dissolved or are never to be seen again. So just that, just knowing that gives us this view that actually Tantra is a much more expanded culture, really, than, than what we can imagine, than what we've known in the West and than what we can even see in history books or in writing, what we have available to us. And I think that's fascinating. I find it really fascinating. Yeah. And in one of the earlier podcasts with Newt Muang, uh, who is an ordained priestess in the Nubian Kemet tradition, out of African tradition, she was talking about 50,000 years ago, the culture, uh, they have some sort of uh, awareness of that, what was happening in that culture. And that there, it's, it, it sounded like what we've done is in our later culture, we've differentiated between spirituality and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I grew up as a Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, uh, the, the God, uh, spirituality is next to uh, godliness and sexuality is evil, mm -hmm. or some yeah. variation on that. Um, yeah. The sacred and the profane, or the sacred and the evil. A yeah. And that in this tradition, in this uh, Nubian Kemite tradition, the sexual, sexual was energy, which was, a, in a sense, sexual energy, was at the core. There was not that differentiation. The, mm. the ceremony involved that. Uh, it wasn't taken away from, or even that much of a differentiation when she was talking, uh, at least my interpretation. So yes, uh, it seems like uh, some of our ancient ancestors were uh, we're more in tune with this uh, our inner nature, which includes what we think of as sexuality, or what we label today as sexuality, when it's, sexuality is much broader than genitalia. Um, so, um, yeah, that's from that. I'd be similar to what I'm thinking too. That it, it's just there. Uh, I, I I use the word. My life is about the reintegration of spirituality and sexuality. Yeah. And I just realized recently, you know, it, it was not this duality. Yeah. Not really, but we've made this distinction. And now we're trying to get back to the garden, so mm. to speak, yeah. where it is a wholeness. Yeah. And see, for me, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, for me, that this that division started to happen when agriculture was created, as far as I understand it, or, or what I've started to see as I've explored this is that this sort of this disintegration, I suppose, would have started to happen 
around the time that agriculture was created because when we all of a sudden decided, well, this is my land and that is your land, then all of a sudden I need to protect my land, which means that my kids are going to be taking care, are going to be inheriting my land. And, and if, I, if I'm having sex with multiple partners, then all of a sudden I don't know who are really my kids and who aren't anymore, you know? And so there's this possibility of like, well, if, if we would have stayed in this kind of polyamorous bonobo-like wave of you know, pre-agriculture, then there would have been this place of like, you know, well, I don't know who, 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 who my kids are anymore. And if I don't know who my kids are, then I don't know who's going to be taking care of my land. I don't know who's going to be inheriting it. And, and so for me, I, I personally see the, the rise of agriculture as a step in that kind of division process. The step of saying, well, all of a sudden we need to be careful who we have sex with. We, you know, we can't just have sex with anyone because blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, then there's other pillar moments across time, like the time, you know, the Roman and the Roman Empire, obviously the rise of the Roman Empire and the, the abolition of the mystery schools in about 350 AD and, you know, all this time and then the Victorian era and then uh, science with people like Darwin and their theory. So there's been, I think there's been all these moments over history where there's, the division has just been, you know, deepened and deepened and deepened. And I think that's why, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that that's why in the 1960s, you know, when people were up for the sexual revolution, it was like, then let's focus on the sex part of Tantra because we've been repressed. Yes. <laughs> we've, been, yeah. we've, been fighting, we've been fighting for this for over 10,000 years by now. And like, let's vote, you know, we need the sexual aspect to be so strong in Tantra because that's the bit that's been so suppressed for, for so long. You know what I mean? I don't know. I've never really thought about why we came separated in over in history, but that it has become separated into a duality, uh, and uh, uh, and I yeah I do think a lot of us are trying to get my analogy keeps coming up get back to the garden mm -hmm. uh, uh, where it was uh, uh, all it was all part of the wholeness. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So w w where do you see, oh, well, my first Tantra class was in 1975 in hmm. California, of course. <laughs> and I don't think there were many classes in Western, or in Tantra much before that, uh, living in the cutting edge area uh, of culture in California, San Francisco. Mm. especially around sexuality and uh, uh, so in those 50 years now there's been a lot of movement a lot of differentiation a lot of different teachers uh, and uh, personally uh, I felt like it, that this whole arena referred to as Tantra Western Tantra was was a, a real opening, a real breakthrough in many ways, given our cultural limitation. We had Western sexology, which was very good, but Western, which was much more in the um, physiological aspect in some ways of sexuality and psychological. Uh, but Tantra came in and said, let's bring in ceremony, mm. which Western sexology coming out of academia, Europe and America, it didn't really look at ceremony 
uh, are, and Western Tantra brought in that aspect and brought in the, the concept of energetic interaction. Uh, but it seemed like that uh, the emphasis started to go in the perspective of what we are seeking is ecstasy. Mm, yeah. That, and I really felt that why ecstasy is important, that for me, I was seeking transformation. Yeah. And my yeah. perspective is, as we're going on a transformative path, which is going to have its agony and its ecstasy, uh, ups and downs, uh, then as we're on that path uh, in transformation, ecstasy will happen, but it's not the goal. It's like we're, we're, we get, we're jumping up and down when we could take a rocket to Mars uh, uh, by focusing on transformation. And I really felt that uh, so much uh, in the Tantra world uh, um, that I was experiencing was so limited. So I pretty much, even though I have a book entitled The Essential Tantra, <laughs> uh, 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 it, it, it felt like as a, as a, as a method, as a context and methodology to expand that it has not gone as deeply as I wanted to go. And mm. that's why I went more into Tibetan Buddhism uh, as well as, which is also known as Tantric Buddhism in some mm. circles, um, and also traditional shamanism, not mm. contemporary shaman, shamanic practices, but more traditional shamans. Because uh, I was finding it was the energy I was dancing mm. after, not so much the sex, although sex was good, mm -hmm. but it was the energy of it all. So it's this stuck at the level of ecstasy when we uh, I think it's better to go focus on transformation. Thoughts about that? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I completely agree with you. I think that for me, Tantra for me, as, as far as I understand it, is more, when I think about Tantra, I don't think as much about ecstasy. I think more about neutrality. I see more as like there's a neutralization that happens because you know, we are living in a world of polarity, you know, and the polarity is, you know, we're happy, we're sad, negative, positive, masculine, feminine, intensity, consciousness, whatever these polarities are. And for me, Tantra is a practice of bringing everything back because essentially when we're talking about oneness, we're talking about the neutral. We're talking about what is beyond differentiation, what is beyond division, what is beyond polarity in a way, duality. And sexuality is one way to get to that place. But when we're talking about ecstasy, when we're talking about ecstasy, we're talking about one end of the polarity spectrum. We're not talking about neutrality anymore. You know, we're talking about one of the elements that can, that can bring something into neutrality, but that's not neutrality. So we have the shadows. We have, you know, sometimes when I do my workshops and the longer ones like retreats and longer courses, people really get put through the ringer, you know, looking at their shadows, looking at the, the, the underworld, the dark stuff. And they say to me, God, I didn't think it was going to be so hard. And I say, well, this is the tantric path. We have to walk through all of it. If we want to get to oneness, we have to walk through all of it. The dark, the light, the ecstasy, the terror, all of it. We have to be able to walk through all of it. And then once we've walked through all of it, then we can just find ourselves in the world in a way that we can be 
and be what I mean by that is like the neutrality of presence and presence being like the place where I am here in the world, but I'm also at the same time connected to something greater, connected to source, connected to the infinite realm. And these are not woo-woo ideas. These are things that philosophers like Plato, uh, Aristotle, Socrates were talking about, you know, thousands of years ago and about 300, 300 AD, they were talking about this. And, you know, so for me, that's the tantric path is the, the ability to be with all of it. If we're only focusing on the ecstasy, we're only focusing on, on part of the equation. And I have so many people who come to me to say, well, I've had this incredible ecstatic experience and now I'm in, now I'm in this slump. What do I do? And it's like, well, that's the work. Like that's part of the work is like, yes, you will have expansions. You will have contractions. And I think those expansions into ecstasy and tantra are important for a rewiring to take place for us to remember that our truth is not just one way, it's an exp it can expand into various ways. But for me, the tantric way is the way to neutrality, to the place that's beyond the division, the polarity, the extremities of dark and light. You know, and when we, and that's one of the reasons why I love your work so much, because it's what I learned from you was the merging with everything, the being one with everything, whether it's something we would characterize as good or bad or dark or light, we just merge and we integrate it, you know, and that for me is the tantric path, because that's the way that we then find presence and, and find this place where we can be in the world, but connected to something, something greater. That reminds me of something I heard from someone, an American came back, um, this is 50 years ago, from, um, uh, from uh, India. Uh, and he, and in one of his little presentations, he talked, that, talked about three uh, general schools or perspectives in Buddhism. Mm. The uh, Theravadan, uh, and Theravada practitioners walking down the path of life. And here she, sees this poisonous plant in the, right in the path. And rather than confront it, uh, the practitioner turns around and goes back. Total mm. avoidance. Just don't get involved with it. Just leave it alone. Now, the second perspective is that of the Mahayana. Mahayana, such as Zen, um, walks down the path of life, sees the poisonous plant and says, ah, no, I don't want to go there. But I'm going to take this big detour, detour around it, still mm. headed in the same direction, but it will mm. take all this time and effort and energy to go around it. The tantric practitioner, the third general perspective, the so tantric Buddhism, is the practitioners walking down of life, uh, down <laughs> walking down the, uh, the road of life, and he or she sees this poisonous plant, says, "Ah, an opportunity." Mm. So the practitioner sits down consumes the poisonous plant, and because he or she's developed these abilities energetically, psychologically, emotionally, to transform mm. that limiting, you could say negativity, uh, into neutrality, mm. or even turn it into positives. Mm. Uh, and that's the transformation. And mm. that's, so the, the, the path is, all right, the wall is there. Do we avoid it? Try to go around it, take for a long time, or do we just go right into it? And this, I think, is, is another way of summing up just going into it. But, but 
here's the, the hook. You have to have developed the, the practices and the abilities to transform the energy. Negativity. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you get high and there's going to be a lower after that at some yeah. point. And it's yeah. not going to feel as good. Uh, and so then how do you confront that? And that's, and it's an ongoing daily, daily of living life. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, it reminds me of when I was doing those uh, ceremonies with you and I was traveling around the world. And I mean, the number of times I would find myself, you know, lying in my hotel room or in my Airbnb, just like shaking, sobbing in a massive contraction of like, was like just needing to process something you know that arose and that doesn't happen to me anymore now but I was on that path I was on that journey and what I realized was that there was a purification that didn't have a choice to take place you know when I was when I chose to be exposed to so much light for lack of a better word to source when I was choosing to be exposed to source in such a direct way as I was in those ceremonies that we shared I, I had no choice no choice but to be faced with the demons that were in, in the shadows or in the blind spots or that I wasn't necessarily wanting to look at because that's the work of the integration. And yes. it's, it's the place of also when you can say, well, you know what, there's a gift in this. Like, this is why I'm here. We've all come here on a path and none of it's a mistake and none of it's an accident and it's and and these you know that's the place where you can look at this and go oh wow yes this is a gift and i needed to go through this would it have been more pleasant to go traveling around the world and not have all those experiences absolutely it would have been more pleasant but that wasn't the point and that's not why we're here we're not here for things to be pleasant we're here for things to be truthful you know, for it to be for it to be the truth. And, you know, it's interesting because you talk a lot about transformation and I, I completely agree with you that the tantric path is a path of transformation. And I don't know, I mean, my view of transformation is that transformation is a, a, re a process of re-engaging with truth. You know, when I become a more truthful version of myself as a result of engaging with truth, then I transform. You know, and that's that's what I feel transformation is. That's what I feel is happening when, you know, you go to these sacred sites like Lourdes in France, which one of the places we did a ceremony at, or the Sacré-Cœur in, in Paris or whatever. And then they have these crutches, these walls filled with crutches from people who've gone there and apparently been healed and they left their crutches or died or I don't know what. But there's something about that the healing that takes place in these spaces is a type of is a, is a is a transformation that took place from people being more in connection to their truth that's really what it is as far as i'm concerned and the only thing that's happening in these spaces is the enabling of a connection to truth and 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 there are very various ways of doing that your work is one of the ways of doing that and these sacred sites is a way of doing that and other practices are other ways of doing that you know so that's my my kind of perspective on that. Yeah, and I want to add that you were talking about the uh, response you were having going to these places at times, that we were choosing what could be called power spots, hmm. where the earth energy is greater intensity 
And when we go to places like that, and particularly when we do ceremony to connect with it, to enhance that, deepen our connection with that greater intensity, mm -hmm. uh, it, it might kick out the jams. And in that process of jams coming out, uh, getting unstuck, uh, mm -hmm. there can be upheaval, change, mm -hmm. uh, and it may not be pleasant. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be ecstatic, but it also may be uh, really challenging. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, it, and that's one of the re good reasons to go to the power spots and to meditate, uh, and some of these other places like uh, uh, Lord. Uh, Lord is I don't know. I remember I never been there physically, but when we tuned into that, and I was energetically here, six ten thousand miles away. Wow, good golly, Miss Molly. It was mm. really, really nice. Mm. So there's something going on there, and people go there. And uh, it's, uh, in the shamanic perspective, it's the earth being, mm. the energetically, in, energetic intensity that's there that mm. we can take advantage of. Well, what I'd like to do at this point is when I read the literature on podcasting, and I'm new at this, that keep it to 20 to 30 minutes. So there's no way we, we can keep this uh, uh, type of discussion in 20, 30 minutes. So what I'm going to do is uh, uh, take a, a completion point here, but we'll continue on with part two. Uh, that's uh, which would be at my website, sexualshaman.com. It's all free. Um, and uh, we'll continue on with this. For those of you who would like to, listen more into this mm. um, and hopefully we haven't exceeded attention spans here uh, <laughs> yeah so uh mark paradis m-a-r-c-p-e-r-i-d-i-s at orgasmic shaman.com thank you very much thank and you. for viewers and listeners because this is a video version as well uh, if you would like to contribute to this um, free podcast, you can go to my website, sexualshaman.com, and click the button that says, um, be a patron. Mm -hmm. uh, being greatly appreciated. Uh, also, since we're new, uh, I am the sponsor. <laughs> I'm making my, uh, my particular series of workshops and seminars called the energy training all caps energy uh, which is about developing abilities to dance with energy in a very high frequency and very high energetic intensity level um, feel free to come in and check that out on that website sexualshaman.com so mark orgasmicshaman.com thank you so much and uh We'll continue on in a part two. Um, yeah. Thank, Thank you very you, much, folks. And uh, I hope you have a good day, evening, or wherever you are on the planet at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.